You are listening to Hashtag Authentic, a podcast for creatives with me, Sarah Tasker. This is episode six. Hello. Today I'm talking to one of my very favourite makers that I've discovered through Instagram. He's got 66,000 followers and John Smart says about 90% of his business comes via the platform in one form or another. His signature minimalist designs can sell out in a matter of hours and he's now in demand across the world as a contemporary potter. He's also undoubtedly an Instagram addict, documenting not only his designs, his process and inspirations, but also his travels and daily life, including talking candidly about his bipolar disorder throughout his gallery. We talk about all of this and more in the following conversation. Also, just to set the scene for you, Jono was in his studio when I called to record this, and so there's some echo. At one point we hear some singing from the studio next door, and I'm pretty sure he's doodling on his notepad from time to time. All of which is very hashtag authentic, so we're going to go ahead and do it. Hello. Hi, Sarah. Hi, thank you so much for joining me today. Delighted. I'm very excited to be talking to you. So for anyone who doesn't already know you, I don't know where they've been and I don't know what they're drinking their coffee out of, but let's just sum up what you do and your story for them. Okay, well, I'm uh, John O'Smart. I'm a potter uh, based up in Glasgow in Scotland. Um, And I'm here talking to you because Instagram is a huge part of my daily life uh, and how I talk to the people that buy my pots. How did that start um, for you then? Yeah, so I started my studio uh, sort of September 2014. I was just working away in my mum's basement in Devon. <laughs> and um, I had no idea what Instagram was. I'd been on Twitter uh, for a couple of years. And I always thought Instagram was just for celebrities to show what they were wearing on the red carpet. I had no idea it was for normal people. And my sister came for Christmas and had seen that I'd been taking photos from my website and uh, sort of taking daily photos of my process and just myself, really. So you weren't sharing that on Twitter even at that point? No, I had no idea that it would do anything for me, (laughs) which is really silly because I worked in digital advertising for two years. So you think (laughs) I would know about this stuff. But um, um, yeah, she was just like this. You've basically made yourself Instagram without sharing it. And I was like, are you sure Instagram's for people like me, like <laughs> potters? There's going to be no interest of people wanting to see pottery. So I think in the December 2014, I put up my first posts. And that December, I wrote myself a list of, I think, um, 10 stockists I wanted to work with. And by the February, seven of them had written to me oh, to say, God. would you like to work with us? <laughs> Just through my Instagram. I couldn't believe it. it I, I was working with a fashion designer. I was... It, it just took off within two or three months. And I just remember sitting there thinking, Instagram is magic. It just knows what you want and makes it happen. It's it was magic. just like, yeah, Instagram is magic. So I, I've loved it. I've absolutely loved it since since then. So what do you think was the catalyst? You started, you joined up. Was it just that there was a demand for what you were doing or was it something you did in particular? Mm. I mean, my photos were awful. <laughs> when I scroll back to the beginning, they were taken under artificial light. Um, yeah, bright yellow, no shadows, uh, no sort of depth of field, no anything. They were incredibly ugly. And, um, and I didn't write very much either. I sort of wrote a little bit about the process, but it was quite dry text uh, reading back on it. I read back on it this week after knowing I was going to do this and I was 
a little bit horrified <laughs> and he deleted everything. No, no, you've got to leave <laughs> no, it. No, I, I didn't. I've heard you say that before. You've got to leave it. So I did. Part of the story. <laughs> it's all part of the story. <laughs> exactly. Um, but obviously so something, something about what you do is still shining through then. I, th I think I'm fortunate in that any craft and pottery maybe especially is is quite intrinsically interesting to see what's going on. Yeah. It's not, not every day you see a potter at work. So I think I'm quite fortunate in what I do is, is naturally interesting to people. And your designs, your designs have a very, a very unique signature. I feel like you've got a very clear aesthetic. Yeah, thank you. Um, I, so before I was a potter, I worked in garden design for, for a sort of world famous garden. As well designer. as digital marketing? Yeah, so that was in my very early 20s, I did <laughs> digital advertising. Then I did sort of six years in garden design and only became a potter two years ago. Yeah, um, yeah. and so working under him, Luciano Jubilee, I, uh, he's, he's a seriously good designer. He could have designed anything. He could have been a fashion designer, yeah. an architect, an interior designer. And so I really learned to design under him. So when I went to pottery, I knew what I wanted to make before I started making. I had a really clear idea. I don't, I've only ever made this one cup um, and it was the first thing I ever made. So I haven't really changed since I started. So I think that's where that comes from. What, what you're seeing in the sort of strength of the aesthetic uh, has got its roots right back to garden design. That's fascinating. So you didn't train formally, you didn't go to art school? Not at all. It was a hobby. Um, it started as a hobby. Um, um, while I was working and uh, in London uh, in a place called Turning Earth which works a little bit like a gym you get a monthly membership and you can go in and do a certain number of hours so I was doing it in the evenings and all weekend and spending as much time as I possibly could there um, I'd get extra hours by doing cleaning and helping load the kilns <laughs> and building them a garden I was doing anything I could to get extra <laughs> hours um, and I, I just loved it I just absolutely loved it um, built a little website and my first ever client wrote me an email completely out of the blue after seeing an image on Pinterest, I think. And she wrote to me and it was enough to buy a kiln. So I just wow. sort of uh, went for it. But uh, yeah. So Instagram was a turning point for your business then financially and in terms of size, I would guess? Completely. It has, um, it's probably been about 90% of where the contacts of either people buying directly from my website shop or any of the wholesalers, stockists that I work with have originally seen me on Instagram. That's incredible. It's, without it, I wouldn't have a studio. There's, there's no doubt that if Instagram didn't exist, I couldn't be a potter uh, in, today's, in today's age. It's, yeah, it just wouldn't happen. And that's not just for me. Yeah, any craftsperson I know that started up in the last two or three years relies really heavily on Instagram to at least get started. Once you're a bit more set up, you have a bit more flexibility in how you go about things. But for that initial uh, 12, 18, 24 months, um, I think everyone relies on Instagram, which, uh, yeah, it's, it's been life-changing and industry-changing uh, for modern craft it's it's an amazing thing and very empowering I think because previously you were really much more at the mercy of the same few people making the decisions about commissioning and buying and things like that and it must have been a lot harder to reach your audience whereas now presumably you can do it from anywhere absolutely um it's changing the industry 
Um, it's um, in terms of the way that galleries work with artists, the percentages are changing that um, of, of the amount the artist gets from a sale. They're having to they're having to adjust to the fact that I'm in direct contact with an awful lot of people that would like to buy pots directly from me, and I could make a living without having any stockists yeah. or anyone in between me and selling the pots. Yeah, so it's been, I think it's changing the industry. I think it's uh, changing how the craft fairs work. It's changing how craftspeople work with their audience. It's definitely changing how much money uh, a craftsperson can make in a year. And it's launching the careers of some really interesting makers. And so I think without Instagram, we, the crafts industry wouldn't be in the same place which is wonderful to see. Yeah, that's really, it's really exciting. And actually, it's kind of the right way round that the people doing the making and the designing are the people profiting from it. It feels good. It certainly feels good to be on this side of it. Yeah. A better model, a more democratic model, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Um, I can hear music in the background. Is there music? Oh, goodness me. Yeah, it's not my music. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I'm next door to a recording studio. Wow, okay. And, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, That's quite nice. We've got the ambient music, then we can deal with that. Exactly. Now people know okay. what they're listening to. Um, so yeah. let's go. Somebody who was starting out now, then, what would be your top tips to kind of emulate your success, I suppose? I, I, I would copy a tip that you use, and uh, I've heard it said in some of your previous podcasts, in that you say content is still king. Mm. And I would tell any maker that by far and away the most important thing is to still focus on their work. That you can learn to take as good a photo as you want and you can learn to use Instagram and get all the right timings, get all the right hashtags. But if your work isn't as good as you want it to be, it's not gonna go anywhere. Right. And still focus, as, as everyone has done through the generations, on making as good a piece as you can. And without that, nothing's gonna happen would be the Thing I'd say. Which makes perfect um, sense because there's no point trying to sell a 80% good product to the world. You need to get it 100%. Exactly. So it exactly. Resonate. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, it, it's really interesting hearing you say that to other. Because I, I was trying to think of the sort of correlations between. Um, w with your Instagram, the sort of final product is the photo. Mm. Uh, and for makers, it's it's kind of still not the final product. But it's I, I and I've been sort of gone down the wrong path. This sometimes I'm so focused on Instagram that I'm more interested in the photo of the pot than the pot itself. <laughs> <laughs> and then I have to remember, oh yeah, I'm not an Instagrammer who uh, who um, takes photos of pots. I'm a potter. <laughs> by, by the way. Um, uses them on Instagram so yeah it's, it's easy to get misled and it's also really easy for Instagram to start dictating the way you start making if if a pot does really well on likes I start thinking of it as a better pot right. whereas it may have just been a nice photo of course or... yeah that's that's not very easy to t tease apart I imagine yeah exactly you have to be really careful not to allow it to sort of become your driving creative force. Just getting that immediate feedback can be quite tantalizing. So, um, And especially yeah. now, that I suppose, with the algorithm, that that immediate feedback doesn't quite mean what it used to. So you were around pre-algorithm, so maybe you know what I mean, when you could yes. kind of tell if something was working or not as a photo, 
by how yes. many likes it got straight away. But now sometimes amazing photos don't do as well as they should and photos that maybe don't deserve to can do better than they should. Exactly, yes. When, when did that come in? When, uh, so it would that... have been summer last year. Yeah, ah. So I, I've got written down on my uh, scratchy notes in front of me that the last 12 months I've kind of stopped worrying about <laughs> how my photos do. And I wonder if that coincided with the algorithm then. I think that would have been a very um, healthy mind shift for you to have taken at that time. So yes, <laughs> because it beca- it it became very suddenly very unpredictable for people. And yeah, if you, if you yes. were used to kind of using that as almost validation or as as feedback on your work, it would yes. it would be very difficult to take that uh, hit. That's really interesting. Um, yeah, around about that time, I had realised I'd got completely caught up in an Instagram game of chasing followers and chasing <laughs> likes and on my drive on the way into the studio in the morning thinking more about the photo I was going to take that day rather than the pot I was going to <laughs> yeah. make that day <laughs> and it's a really easy thing to do because it's so so gratifying yes. getting getting your, your most ever likes on a oh photo. Oh my gosh, it's, it's a like... real dopamine like <laughs> high, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I, I sort of retire for the week. I go and celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do. That's my week done. But um, yeah, about a year ago, I, uh, I had to really sort of sit myself down and be like, right, the, the, my, my followers growing doesn't make me a better potter. My, uh, if I'm going to do, if I'm going to stay on Instagram, I have to learn to enjoy it for the things I want to do with myself, which is much more about learning to enjoy photography, learning to enjoy putting words with photos. Yeah. And since then, I've just, I've just adored it. The whole process, I've just, it's become, it's become its own sort of project for me. Your photography than... is beautiful, by the way. Oh, goodness it me. It is a Thank joy you. to go on your gallery. Really? Is, is oh, that all self-taught? Um... Is that... Oh, completely. Like I said, my, if you scroll all the way down, you'll see some really ugly photography. I need so, to do that now. I, obviously, I'm going to have to go yeah, and look exactly. and judge you. <laughs> <laughs> you should. You should indeed. Um, yes, completely self-taught. Well, YouTube videos and reading online and uh, asking any photographer I work with, how do I do this? How do I do that? Um, but yeah, n- never any lessons or anything. And do you do all um, your own photography now for your website and everything? Yeah, 95% of the photography you see on my feed or my website is mine, um, which is only because I love it, not because I think I'm a particularly good photographer, but I really enjoy the process. And um, when it's your own work, I think it's much easier to tell the story yourself, isn't it? Because you know... Exactly. And I, and I know exactly what I want. It's really hard to describe an image you have in your mind to somebody else. Oh my goodness, yes. When I, so you kind of just have to. There's no other way. Yeah, cause, because um, anyone who's ever tried to get their partner to take a picture with them in it uh, knows this battle. Partners are, partners are the worst. Emily's just sitting over the room from me, so I'm, I'm looking at her. <laughs> Poor Emily. <laughs> um, oh, bless, she's working away as well. Sorry, Emily. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so, but yes, the, the, the biggest sort of interest for me has not just the photography, learning to put, sometimes the words come first for me. And I, I, I mean, judging by how, what you're doing as well at the moment, like writing, I, I never thought I'd enjoy writing. Like after school, I never thought it would be a part of my life. And Instagram has ignited just a love of writing, which 
that, that's something I'm t I want to take a month off this year just to study writing. That's amazing. And yeah, I, without Instagram, that wouldn't have happened. So suddenly, photography, writing, all, all of these interests are happening, just, and I can I can follow it all back just to Instagram. It's like a gateway which... drug for the creative process. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And um, yeah, I, it's it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating to see it. And in terms of, because you're quite candid in your captions, you talk about about your mental health and kind of your personal life. So how much do those relationships and the feedback you get from people support you in that? Yeah, um, pottery can be quite, uh, well, not lonely, but I am alone most of mm. the week. And um, most of my daily interactions with people are uh, in the chat part of Instagram. I have, I, I looked before I came online and I have about 40 active conversations going with all sorts of different people <laughs> that and and that is my that is the most interaction I have with other people in my day-to-day -day life and I, I just love it I absolutely the community side of Instagram is is so special like compared to other parts of anywhere else online yes. it's a kind loving supportive place really and is. I can't figure out why it's it really is um why, why do you think it is more than, say, Twitter or...? I wonder if it's partly the demographic, that if you're drawn to the visual platform, then you're probably more of a creative person, which is possibly yeah. a certain type of person. But then I wonder as well if it's just... You get to know people in a different way through their pictures and those little captions than you do through something like Twitter or Facebook. And I'm sure you've met people who you've known first on Instagram and then met up with them in real life. It's half of the people I follow. I, I did that as well before I came and spoke to you. So I think I follow 130 people or something. And I, I, I just skipped through and I've met 70 of them wow. that I didn't know before I'd started following them on Instagram. And they're just I, I, what you expect when you meet them, aren't they? It's lovely. Mostly better. Let's say but they're better. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but certainly not. Previously, so, so sort of in the time before Instagram, um, I would be on internet forums and things and then meet up with people. And there would be like a mismatch where you had to kind of right. join the real them and the online them together in your brain for a few hours before it felt yes. natural. But with Instagram, yeah. and I don't know why, but when you meet up with people, they're just exactly yeah. who you thought they were going to be. And Yeah, maybe it does force you into quite an honest version of yourself. There's no real... People say you can really sort of hide, hide the bad parts of life in Instagram. And I guess it's possible, but... Like you said, I'm quite open with my... Yeah, and I think there is a difference between hiding yeah. your washing up and hiding yeah. your true self, and they are not the same thing. Yeah. And people get so obsessed no. with the idea that, oh, we shouldn't be hiding our washing up, but maybe the washing up's not the thing we need to be talking about. No, exactly. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, whatever it is that makes it such a, such a place, I, it still astounds me how supportive a community... Um, I love it. I love going onto other people's feeds and seeing other people being supportive and of, of whatever it is, whether it's craftspeople or whether it's bloggers or, or whatever. I'm just like, this is such a supportive thing. And people are making themselves vulnerable yeah. and, and being accepted. And it's, it's really interesting. Uh, yeah, very enjoyable. Definitely. For, for me, it was the same. I really feel like Instagram gave me the confidence to pursue kind of the career I've got now. Because yeah. there is an element of validation and there's just something in kind of finding people who see the world your way and say, yeah, go for it. Like, you don't meet those people I, in everyday life most of the no. time. 
One of the things that amazed me when I got into Instagram was one of the first bloggers I spoke to was Julia Smith, um, Humphrey and yes. Grace. And I just remember thinking in that first week I met her, this woman is like a one-person advertising agency. Yeah. Like having, having worked in London advertising agencies and seeing like 100 people putting an advert together, copywriters and, and art editors mm-hmm. and all sorts. And then you see Julia or whoever, whichever blogger it is, they know about white balance, they know about copywriting, they know about all of these mm. professional things. That It astounded me that these people were taking it so seriously and were so skilled and technical. And I was just like, no wonder it's successful. Absolutely. These people are doing it with such care and love. And, and passion. It comes from a real genuine place, doesn't it? Absolutely. But, and, but real skill. Like the amount of care you people take over the editing of your images and... I'm awful at that, by the way. I take a photo. <laughs> I, I've I, like, I tried VSCO for like two days. Like, How have you got the patience for this? Like, oh, but you would love the results. Gets... You would really love it. I tried again last night. Yeah, after watching this, I was like, I have to. I have to try again. And I was there for like three minutes. I like, no way. Have you ever no seen my way. tutorial? Have you seen my video? I have on on YouTube. Did that not help? I watched it. No, it's very helpful. I even went and bought the minimalist filters. <laughs> and then I was still like, no way. There's no way I'm doing this. <laughs> no, my photos get taken from the snap of the shutter to them going up to Instagram is like 30 seconds. I like from... that, though. That's very Insta. <laughs> yeah, I reckon I'm the Instiest Instagrammer. <laughs> <laughs> you should put that in your bio. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway, that's all I was going to say. That I, I'm not surprised it's actually such a amazing community when I see the level of passion people are putting into their work it's it's deserved and it, it really it is. really from a advertiser's perspective I, this is why I always say Instagram is a really good value for money because oh. you are you don't pay a stylist and a photographer and maybe a um like an art director yeah someone to do all the post editing yeah. you're all doing that yourself yeah you don't pay a social amazing. media specialist it's all in one package for no. usually quite a reasonable sum Absolutely. I used to sit next to the social media specialist in our advertising agency. He did not know a thing compared to what your people are doing. (laughs) When I listen to the level you're talking at, I'm just like, yeah, okay, you should be earning six figures working in advertising firms. This is amazing. But we could never do it. We could never sell ourselves, I don't think, most of us. Uh, No. Is that a bit too um, judgmental for me to say about advertising? No, not at all. Not at all. It's uh, that's why I was only there for two years. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. So one of the questions I I always ask people who are very reliant on Instagram for a lot of their kind of word of mouth and for their discovery is: Do you ever worry about what will happen if Instagram fades? Yes. Yes, I do. It, between I have a conversation with two or three other makers, and we talk about this quite a lot. Um, like I said earlier, I'm about 90% of my work comes via Instagram in some way or another. And I have slowly tried to build up my own following through an email newsletter that goes out before every one of my shops. Um, I'm not really on any other platform. I don't use Facebook and I don't use Twitter very heavily. Um, just to speak to John Ronson, really? Yeah, just for you, me and John Ronson to chat, you know, our weekly, our weekly get-togethers. <laughs> <laughs> our book club. <laughs> Um, but um yes i have a small newsletter that i send out to people i'm going to be doing a couple of shows physical shows over the next couple of years which uh will be really interesting 
uh, yeah, to see the response of. But no, I wish I had a better uh, a better sort of backup plan to Instagram. But, um, well, I'm not suggesting you, know. you immediately need one, so I'm not trying to panic you. No, <laughs> quick, <laughs> quick, quick. But uh, it is something because obviously a lot of my business is is intrinsically linked to my Instagram and my Instagram following, so it's something that's kind of on people's minds. And I think with the algorithm coming in and us all feeling like we have a little bit less control over how we reach our audience than maybe we did yes. before, um, it's on people's minds more. So a newsletter is definitely like building up that mailing list is. The best yeah, it feels like think. going backwards, sort of going back to the year 2000 or something. But yeah. it's really helpful. I think the last one I sent out had something like 85% open wow. rate. So I was like, oh, people are really interested in actually getting this email. I don't Because I was a bit reluctant. I was like, oh, I don't want to just be sending out a salesy email. And so, but when I saw that, I was like, oh, okay, they do want to see when my shop opens. So... I won't be too worried about it. Yeah, it, it is a funny thing, isn't it? And every few months I see an article that says email is dead and the email list is dying. And I and then it comes back stronger than ever, I think, because it remains yeah. a really personal way away that if all the platforms dropped away tomorrow, that's an asset that you can hold on to and, and still communicate with the people who are really interested in what you do. Absolutely. And I thought, oh, I don't want to heavily overuse it. And then I looked back at last year and I'd sent out three emails. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> okay, that's not too bad. <laughs> One unsubscribe, I think, from the entire year. Wow. I was like, oh, okay, that's okay. <laughs> that's pretty good. I mean, and then there is an argument you hear sometimes on digital media podcasts that they talk about training your audience to open emails and that you should be sending them weekly or monthly. But I think this, okay. it goes to show that there really isn't a formula you have to follow. You, you know your audience and if you're reluctant to open yeah. too many emails then they probably are as well yeah so have, yeah. how have but you collected those email addresses just through my website just the front page of the website is a little sign up here for the next shop opening and nothing cleverer than that and how um, often do you open your shop well I, I wish it was more it, I aim for four times a year last year I managed three and I think this year I'm going to manage two so um I think that's probably why they have such good response rates because it's quite a rare event. Yes. Um, so people have been kind of uh, sitting there annoyed waiting to be able to buy a cup. So, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think that's probably why it's still working. But that's a lovely situation to be in, I think, to have that expectancy and that demand for what you do. It's incredible. I still can't believe it that people are... Because uh, I see my work every day. So I come in and see the same cups and I'm like... <laughs> really do people really want some more of these <laughs> i'll make another hundred and they'll disappear and i'm like all right okay there's obviously uh, there's obviously still people wanting these things so i'll keep on making them and please do especially because my husband broke one of ours and no yeah, it was nearly a divorce moment to be honest <laughs> we've got through it well, that's fair but... enough that's fair enough that's going to be my next business plan is counseling over broken pottery <laughs> keep couples together <laughs> So one of the things we mentioned a little bit is that you are quite candid in your captions and what you share on Instagram. Does that feel vulnerable to you? Is it, you know, you talk a lot about mental health. Yeah, anyone that's followed me for since the beginning, sort of over the last two years, will be really aware that I have a bipolar disorder and they've been through the ups and downs with me. It would be really hard for me to hide it online because I disappear for six weeks. I think I've done it both in... Uh, 2016 and I was away in January 2017 with mm. uh, bad episodes and the level of support I had from my audience was amazing 
but I was only posting once a month as opposed to every day. And so I couldn't really hide it even if I wanted to. No. Um, but it's was also... There a part of you, sorry, was there a part of you that did want to? No, not at all. I, I, I don't know why, but I've been quite fortunate since I found out that I've got bipolar disorder is I really accepted it straight away. I haven't really felt the stigma that sort of goes alongside mental mm. health. Um, and I thought if I don't share this, if I don't tell people, it's going to feel worse for me. So part of it's therapy online, talking about it makes it yeah. much easier for me to live with it. Um, it also, one of the worst things about it is I disappear. I can't do my work. So I start letting people down. So if they didn't know, I wouldn't have the excuse of just dropping them a quick note saying, as you know, I have bipolar disorder. This is a bad four weeks. Please excuse me while I get back on track. Yeah. I can say that because they know. If they didn't, I'd be sort of trying to make up excuses and trying to explain why I've disappeared. Um, so it's helpful in that way. It takes some of the pressure off. Um, and to be honest, just it's just much healthier to be honest about what's going on. It just it just is. Whether absolutely, yeah. So why, uh, not that it should ever be something that, that is hidden, but for a lot of people, do feel that pressure. I think, especially online, when they maybe want to project a certain version of themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think anyone should feel pressured to share where they're at. Because for some people, far better to keep it private. But I just know for me that it's helpful. It's, I find it genuinely helpful to share uh, that I have this disorder. Um, and I often get little notes from people saying, thank you for sharing mm. it and thank you for being open about it. And I feel I a little bad. I bet it's helpful to others as well. And I, that, that's absolutely amazing and wonderful to me. But I always have to write back and say, it's lovely that you're saying thank you, but really I'm mainly doing this for me. I don't want to <laughs> sound like I'm being sort of uh, selfless about this or anything and I'm glad it's helping you I really am but just so you know <laughs> I'm doing this because because I find it helpful and I'm, I'm not sort of trying to be a sacrificial lamb here or anything so um, yeah I, I I do it because it's easy that'd be the only reason I think but I think it is a genuinely helpful thing for other people to see it's that whole conversation of sort of just normalizing mental illness and it not being something that we hide away and we keep behind closed doors it's probably a part of your creative process presumably is it, it certainly it makes me it forces me to take time off and every time I come back from an episode I am raring to go again I have a bag full of ideas um and so I have natural breaks in the year where they have to be forced upon me but every time I've come back I've sort of reassessed where my studio is at what I'd like to be making and so there have been there have been good things for me in the long term, they might not feel like it at the time, but um, yeah, they've been useful creatively. Yeah, and and when you talk about having to step away, having to step away from work and, and from Instagram, is that because you feel within yourself you're not able to do it, or is that because you know that you may make decisions that are not the most, most helpful for you? Yeah, so bipolar's got obviously two sides to it. It's got the depressive side, which I wouldn't be able to post it, even if I wanted to. Mm. And then it's got the more manic side to it, which if I was posting, I'd be posting nine or ten a day and trying to make everyone laugh and trying to be funny. Yeah. And that would not be amusing for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I, that happened twice. I've had two days like that. And I had very nice people who I know quite well on Instagram write to me and just say, Johnny, you need to stop. 
And I was like, oh, oh, goodness me. Okay. <laughs> I, I thought I was just over caffeinated, but no. <laughs> um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a good boundary setter. Instagram's a really good gauge for me, actually, of how I'm feeling. Um, I could kind of look back over it and almost draw a graph of how healthy I was at each time. Sort of. See, I say oh, this too. I say this, that you can kind of gauge my mental state by my gallery at any time. Yeah. Goodness me, no wonder it's an honest place. We can't hide. <laughs> yeah, and maybe that's part of that, that even if you are trying to hide with individually lovely photographs, that the yeah. full story, its they're all tiny pieces of a bigger jigsaw. Yeah. Wow. Psychologists are going to have so much fun with Instagram in the future. Oh, my gosh. We should, we should apply to some universities for a funding grant. Let's and, do it, Sarah. Uh, do, do a dissertation on this. We both have loads of time, so let's do this. <laughs> What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I guess the, that we what we need to come back to is um, if people want to buy your stuff, where can they find you? Uh, so my next uh, shop will be in May uh, 2017, and I am uk. You can find me there. And you also stock, do you stock via other people? Or is it best to just I do, to but they're all currently sold out. Um, so I can't keep up. Um, but there are people like The Future Kept, such and such, um, Tajo online. Um, I'm also in America with Kettle and Brine. And I am at the moment fulfilling an order to go to Japan. So uh, wow, Japan, I'll be over Japan there. Japan will love your stuff. It's a, it's a shipping containers full of <gasps> pottery. It's 1,200 pieces are about to go to Japan. So, um, yeah. Um, oh, my goodness. And yeah. Japan, is, Japan has a really big Instagram scene. Yes. I, yeah, I heard you talking about that. I need to uh, go and take a look. Oh, you'll love it, actually. It has a, there's a really defined aesthetic to a lot of the Japanese accounts. I guess in the same way that there's a kind of a British movement and an American movement, there's a Japanese movement. And I, th I can see your work yes. working beautifully with that. So it'll be interesting to see if you take Japan by storm. Can't wait. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, me either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for talking to us. Um, I will include all of your links and everything in the show notes so people can come and follow you. How many followers are you at right now? I think I'm at 65,000-ish. So. 65K. So yeah. let's see if we can get you up to 66. Let's do it. <laughs> and is now the point we do karaoke? Now is the... Oh, I haven't even discussed this. So John and I occasionally have um, sideline conversations on Twitter. And John had this excellent idea that every guest should have a song, a karaoke <laughs> classic to sing themselves out with, yeah. linked to their profession. Mm-hmm. Your recommendation for you was? I think Sugar Babes Round Round, Baby Right Round. I think you know, it was, like my isn't it? Oh, no, it's well, Kylie. I'm spinning around. That, there we go. Well, you can choose. <laughs> <laughs> I've been practising both all week. Full-blown full musical I've got going on. Costumes. <laughs> I hope the sequins involved. Yeah, of course. I think no one would ever come on the show if I made them do karaoke, oh, but I'm severely tempted. It would be amazing to just end the episode. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, do you want to do another ending? Just, uh, no, I like it. I'm going okay. to tell people about the karaoke classics. Um, yes. So thank you so much. Oh, isn't he just the best? I feel like I should mention, though, that Jono and I are not actually in a Twitter book club with John Ronson. He replied to a conversation that we were having on there one day. Um, and that is essentially the same thing. So as always, you will find links to all the accounts and the things that we've talked about in the show notes. 
they are at meandola.co.uk forward slash podcast six and you can share your thoughts on twitter and on instagram using the hashtag hashtag authentic if you've got any questions come and find me on twitter where i'm at me and you can follow me on instagram uh, where i'm the same just with underscores thank you so much for listening and i will see you next week